Welcome back to another edition of the New Age Boxing Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and the editor of New Age Boxing, Martin Theobald. Hello. Hello, Martin. Fresh off another exciting exploit, this time with the uh, White Collar Boxing. Yeah, we've got uh, a project that we're going to be running with a local um, gym. They do MMA, they do boxing, uh, but they're running a White Collar Boxing event, so they'll get normal bods, uh, put them through eight weeks of training with their um, very esteemed trainers uh for both i mean their trainers do the mma stuff they do tie kickboxing etc they do boxing as well uh and they're going to be training up eight non-fighters into being fighters all for charity um to be fighting in november in uh, a local uh, hotel and they're going to uh, we'll be following them for the website from start to finish so we'll be going down and talking to the trainers talking to the people will be there on the night um, just really to show what goes through the kind of training process for normal people. So we do a lot of stuff, obviously, around the professional boxing scene, but it was, I thought, an interesting project to see what happens for mm. people, and I've done it myself, but to follow others when they're going through the process of start to finish from not being a fighter to stepping <clears throat> into the ring one night. So you got the, like the you know the cage rounds and the rounds of the glass and tar and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, that's an interesting one. I say it'll be up on the website as a almost a diary entry. They actually start their training properly um, next week, I think it is now. So I'll be down there following them. I say catching up. With, it's also going to be covering the kind of promotional side of it and how they yeah. go about selling the tickets for it and. Uh, how do they go about setting up the event on the night and moving the ring from one place to another place, which is what they're going to be doing, taking their ring from their local gym where they yeah. uh, they train out of, moving it down to um, the hotel where they're, they're doing the event. So, yeah, it'd be quite an interesting thing. Things you don't really think about necessarily, isn't it? The ring, like, there's, there's big logistical... F- is it, it is, it really is. them taking it apart, it's like... Oh, yeah, the giant yeah. ring has to get around and stuff. Yeah, so no, I'll be going down and uh, following them on the day kind of thing, hopefully, and uh, seeing how they get a ring down and a ring up. And uh, I think they're going to be doing fireworks for entrance and give people a proper <laughs> indoors. Might just be sparklers. <laughs> a couple of geezers of sparklers. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one. So I said that's actually starting at a place called um, Guardians Academy in Milton Keynes, which where we are, for those that are listening. For those who don't come from England, it's uh, it's pretty care. much the capital. Uh, it's <laughs> capital the main, of boxing. It's the main place in England. <clears throat> come on over. Uh, we got everything. <laughs> Concrete gals. Roundabouts, everything. White collar boxing events. Yeah. So no, that's an interesting one. It'll uh, it'll be a bit of a long runner. We'll be catching various parts of what's going on. Okay, so we're gonna go through stuff um, that has happened. That will happen. Website stuff, you know, the usual format, basically. Quality fact. Uh, yeah, quality fact. Yeah, won't, Maybe. I won't, I won't try and oversell that. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's go straight into it. We uh, got some stuff. A Shane, the Shane Mosley fight. Shane Mosley. Now, Shane Mosley and Ricardo Mayorga, uh, two fighters who undoubtedly have passed their best, but they put on a pretty good show. They um, 
they had a good tear up. Mosley won by a sixth round KO. Good body shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mosley talks afterwards about how he wants the best at any weight division. He wants um, Brooke. He wants to win titles. <clears throat> he picked a- up a a book of boxing cliche quotes and just yeah. decided to write. Yeah, I mean, he's past his best, but... How old, how old are they both? Uh, Mosley's 43 now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, he still talks about he wants Mayweather, he wants Pacquiao. Oh, yeah. No, no, it's fair enough. Well, in fairness, he is fighting Berto, so he's probably got a decent claim. <laughs> well, fair point, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a, a better than expected scram. Now, what was interesting about it was that Mosley took on all of the promotional side of it. Um, he took on the the TV side. And when I say TV, he didn't actually stream it on TV. It was streamed online. It was a pay-per-view thing. So the numbers haven't come out yet as to how many they've sold. Um, the tickets didn't seem to be flying out the door for the event. They were giving away quite a lot on the uh, the week leading up to it. So it'll be interesting to see because it was on the same night as another event which we'll come on to uh, in the same city. So it was a, a brave decision. And I say he took it all on himself, um, all the promotion, all the pay-per-view side of it, the expense of it. So whether or not he came out with any money, but it was his way of kind of showing that you can do it without needing a big promoter behind you. And uh, yeah, I say it was it was a decent enough fight, um, probably better than expected, and, and Mosley picked up the win. So so Mosley did all the back, back stuff? He not. did everything himself, yeah. So why doesn't um, that happen more often then? With bigger boxers, we've got loads of money behind him. Is it politics? Um, yeah, I mean, also you don't want the distraction for it. You know, if you're Mayweather, well, that's a fair point. Yeah, it's enough of a ball ache for him to go around and do. You know, for the the Pacquiao thing, they had kind of a tour of the world, and you know, when he fought Ricky Hatt and he toured, he did a, a press conference over in London. He did one in America. Mm. He did one elsewhere. That's probably enough of a ball ache anyway, because they just want to be training. They want to be getting ready for their fight. So, in reality actually taking all that on and doing the promotional side is quite time consuming for them so it's not a, something they particularly probably want to be doing so most yeah of- I suppose that's understandable though saying that if anyone in the world would be bothered to do that to increase their take of the money I would have thought it would be made with no that is true yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so that was a bit of a well okay so tell me what tell me what this is the Leo Santa Cruz fight was it Leo Santa Cruz this- uh, was on in the same Abnamares. Yeah, was on in the was, same city. And th- this was the one that potentially overshadowed the. It no. did overshadow. Yeah, right, it was. Okay. Um, you know, there was it was a PBC card. Now Heyman won. Um, probably the best card or the best individual fight that they've put on PBC so oh, okay. far. And Shane Mosley runs his own pay per view. So it's free on PBC to watch <laughs> Leo Santa Cruz yeah. fight Abnamares, or you can pay to watch an old man fight an old man. So it was a bit of an odd decision, I think, from uh, from that perspective. So, yeah, you had Leo Santa Cruz versus Abner Mares. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz has for a long time been accused of kind of ducking some of the best. Now, Abner Mares isn't necessarily the best, uh, but he's a good enough fighter, and it was a great fight. It was a proper scrap. Um, I think people have questioned in the past Santa Cruz's heart and his willingness and his desire because he's fought crap. Basically, um, but Abner Mares like brought it to him, and they had a proper little tear up. And Santa Cruz won it on split decision on points. Uh, but for anyone that can, you know, get a stream of it and go and watch it, it's, it's well worth watching. It was a decent it's, fight. Was uh, it? Yeah, it's a decent fight. So, what, what? Give us a bit of a background on these two, then. So, what? What? What way are they? They're in a uh, super bantamweight, so it's in the same division as Carl Frampton as oh, Scott okay. Quigg. So. 
essentially um they've there's been long talk about who's the best at that weight. So you've got Frampton, you've got Quigg, you've got Santa Cruz, and yeah. you've got Rigondeau, who's clearly the best out of all of them. And nobody <laughs> fights him, so it's, it's a bit hard to talk about. Um, so, yeah, Santa Cruz, I think... Scott Quigg struggles to get opponents because Eddie Hearn doesn't pay enough money to get them over. Now, Carl Frampton has gone with Al Heyman over in America. Right, yeah. Leo Santa Cruz has been getting paid decent, decent money to take on Shite. And so he finally gets someone good, and it's a decent fight. So he's been accused of kind of cherry-picking his opponents, and this would seem more, not 50-50, but probably 60-40 to Santa Cruz before yeah. the fight. And it proved to be as such as well, because it was, as I say, a split decision in the end. Um, so Santa Cruz is talking about going up in weight, and so whether or not we actually get to see him fight the likes of Frampton, the likes of Quigg, uh, we shall see. But, I mean, Frampton's also spoken about going up in weight, <clears throat> There's talk if Santa Cruz goes up in weight, he could fight, say, Lee Selby, um, which would be a good little fight. So it's all the links back to the Al Heyman side of things that, you know, fighters that fight for him get linked with fighting other fighters that fight for him. So Which would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually everyone will fight for Al Heyman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's move on then to Rockin' Robin Deakin. <laughs> finally got <laughs> Rockin' Robin Deakin. <laughs> 51 fight losing streak, and he pulls it off Saturday night down at York Hall. Um, yeah, he's uh, an honourable mention for Robin Deacon. There's a piece from up on our website from a while back. He's put the, well, he's had, I say he put the effort in, that sounds harsh because it's not like he hasn't put the effort in before, but he's actually had a proper training camp. He's had the proper training. He's he's really gone to town on it. And granted, the bloke he was fighting had a losing record. He wasn't, but it wasn't as bad as his losing record. And so, you know, he went into it, it's almost, it's his renaissance, it's, that's how he talks about it. But, and so now he... Um, said 51 practice fights. 51 practice fights, he's warmed up. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's now come out on uh, Twitter today saying about he wants to get his license back with the British Boxing Board of Control, who uh, removed it from him before. You know, losing 51 fights will make that happen. Um so he's talked about trying to get his license back now that he's got that win, um, put an end to his losing streak. So he's been fighting on um, Maltese Boxing Commission cards now. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not the British Boxing Board of Control will accept him back and give him a license to fight for them. Won't that go directly against what they were saying about if anyone fights for the more goes under a multi-boxing card, then they won't... <laughs> this is another show altogether. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, the if you follow the multi-boxing commission, which is a guy called Gianluca De Caro, or Rio, shout out to Rio, he's a lovely bloke, um, look, they say that anyone that, that fights on their cards, the British Boxing Board of Control threatened that they will take away their licences. Now... By all accounts, what Rio says is that if you do that, then it goes against trade laws. So any fighter that gets told that that will happen, come and see them and uh, they'll get their lawyers onto it to make sure it doesn't. It's kind of against the freedom of trade stuff, the European directives. Um, so, yeah, anyone. So is- basically, Robin Deakin can make a case for being able to show that he safely he can fight. And so it's not actually a problem with his a problem to his risk to his health if you like then there's no legal reason why they can 
Is that how it's? Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's boxed for the Maltese Boxing Commission isn't a legal reason to stop. Or yeah, that's what the NBC say is that there's no legal reason to say that because you've fought for us, the the board can't give you back the license. Whereas the board have said anyone that fights on another commission show, such as the Maltese Boxing Commission will not be granted a British licence, whereas they're saying, you know, that's rubbish, you can't do that. So, again, don't get me wrong, this is a far bigger, you know, we fit it into a two-minute chat, it's a far bigger issue than that. Nah, I can't do that, mate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's there's legal teams, there's all sorts going on with it, and it's it's all a bit messy. Um, But, yeah, ultimately the outcome of that is that Robin Deakin is now looking to get his, that's what his aim is, really, is to get his British licence back, so... Yeah, you've got to hope that he does for his own, you know, sanity and well-being. It's so, and pride. Okay, so what what do you think is his ultimate goal now? He's won. So <laughs> where does he go from here? Uh, again, on Twitter today, he's come out saying that he wants to um, get involved in one of the prize fighter shows when uh, Sky start running those again. Really, he's he's exactly the kind of person that they would really? probably welcome on there. I'd suspect he's. I mean, he also he sold 160 tickets or something for Saturday night on his own, which is pretty good going for somewhere like York Hall, which doesn't take all that many people. So yeah, he's he's a good little ticket seller for what he does. He brings a lot of publicity to things. He's again tweeted out today about you know. Now that I've won, do I want to lose the tag of Britain's worst boxer? Absolutely not. No, I still want that tag. <laughs> I suppose it's a USP. It's a USP. <laughs> and so, for instance, like the Daily Telegraph and various other broadsheets have run pieces today about how he's got his win after 51 losses. So he gets a profile. He gets publicity for it. So does he want to lose that tag? Probably not, because it's worth a little bit of money to him. You know, it brings publicity. It brings... Um, attention to his career so the more that he can do that and you know were he to start going on a, a bit of a winning streak now and all it'd take he'd said before about he he's lost fights because he's Robin Deakin if he could get a few wins under his belt perhaps he loses that tag and he could you know, I'm not saying he's going to go on and win the world Britain's title Britain's best boxer yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going down in the Hall of Fame but he could you know, start to achieve some things that will probably, you know, give him a bit of self-worth out of it. have to win 51 fights in a row to have a 50% ratio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. Oh, you've got to, you, like, you got to respect his um, tenacity. His but... tenacity, yeah, absolutely. So he's going to be back out in October, I believe. Um, which, I say, I, it's easy to mock him, but if it wasn't for people like him still going out and fighting, yeah. then... You know, you wouldn't have cards I mean, we to look, put on. We looked so. on Boxing Rate, didn't we, at one point for... Uh, I can't remember who it was now. We looked at some of the boxes had fought and it was like a... I think it was, might have been Kel Brook. At yeah. the beginning of his career, like some blokes that had lost 183 fights. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, arguably, Robin Deacon are even in their <laughs> league. <laughs> so. You want to know how to lose a fat? I'll show you how to lose a fat, boy. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Right, so let's move on then. You This week uh, on the website... Uh, you've had interviews with Dale Evans or you've spoken to Dale Evans? Dale Evans, yeah. Um, lovely chap, Dale Evans. Welshman. Uh, he's got a record of 10 wins, two draws, two losses. He fights in the welterweight division. He's um, he's due out on October the 17th against John O'Donnell, who we spoke about a couple of weeks back. That um, He was the one that had fought on the Mayweather Oscar De La Hoya undercard. Now, those two are going to be fighting in a eliminator for the British title at welterweight. Um, that title's held by Sam Eggington at present. Now, 
Sam Eggington is somebody that Day 11's beat in Prize Fighter uh, a couple of years back when Eggington was a teenager. So I was asking Dale, you know, if you get through the John O'Donnell fight, um, does it give you any more confidence going into the Eggington fight? If that came about and came to fruition, would it give you more confidence because you've beaten him already? He said, no, you know, look, Sam Eggington's improved massively. Huge respect for him. Um, you know, saying that he's he's a different fighter now than when he fought him. So although he would still fancy himself to be able to win it, he realises it's not the same fighter that he fought in Prize Fighter. Prize Fighter is a different format etc etc so uh, yeah although he would still fancy himself he recognises that it's a different Sam Eggington that he'd be facing should that come about uh, I did ask him about John O'Donnell him and uh, O'Donnell have had a bit of back and forth on Twitter O'Donnell had written the open letter to Sam Eggington saying you know fight me um, for the British title you won't fight me you'll vacate it and uh, yeah, Day 11's had come out and he said, you know, maybe I shouldn't have opened my mouth when I did, but I did and uh, I wrote it that it was, um, well, I've written it down somewhere, it was, uh, he described it as the most cringeworthy tweet that he'd ever seen, uh, the most cringeworthy plea from a boxer. Um, so yeah, it's there's a little bit of personal between the two of them, they'll meet on October 17th at York Hall on a Goodwin Promotions card. So, yeah, that'll be uh, hopefully a little bit of personal spite for fans to uh, get involved in as well. It's always good to get involved <coughs> in a domestic. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, that was a good one. And and Day 11's a shout-out to him because he's a lovely bloke. He's, oh, that's uh, good. Really nice bloke. Okay, so moving on. Uh, you've spoken to Waleed Din. Waleed Din, yeah. Um, he's a British flyweight. He's, um, where's he now? He's seven... He won seven, lost none, drawn none. He's only 22 years old, took up boxing you relatively. Said, what, what was that record? He's won seven, drawn none, lost none. Okay. 22 years old, he only turned pro a year back, so he's had seven fights in a year, um, building up his resume. He only picked up the gloves at 16, so he's only been fighting for six years. Um, in that time, he, he, well, he ended up turning pro last year because he got to the final of the Amateur Boxing Associations, or the ABAs, the senior finals, and he lost a fight that he that he thought that he won, but he wasn't given the decision at the time. Um, and that was against a guy called Thomas Esomba. And he's now got himself into a position where on October 17th, on a different card to the one we were just discussing, uh, this is one up in Rotherham, he's going to be fighting for the Commonwealth title at flyweight against Thomas Asomba, who was the guy that he lost to in the senior ABA final, okay. uh, that he thought that he won the fight and he was robbed of it. So there's a bit of a, a bitter irony about it, that the reason that he turned professional is this guy, well not this guy, but the decision against yeah, this yeah. guy, and that's the one that he's going to be fighting for his first opportunity at, uh, at winning the belt. So, so what is his record? You said it's uh, seven wins, but is it? We talk about this quite a lot. But have they been decent fights, worth winning fights? Or, you know, um, you... no. There's one that's all right. There's one that's, uh, that's good. The name slipped my mind. If I'm perfectly honest, right now, uh, read the full piece about him on the website. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, as with any professional fight, the first ten fights are normally fairly limited opponents uh, but there is one on there again you'll have to excuse me I can't remember who it was but uh, it, it was a decent enough win but he flyweight isn't a massive division in Britain and so he's kind of you know the Commonwealth title push and fighting for it in your 8th title sorry in your 8th fight um, 
you know, even Anthony Joshua is into his, what, 14th, 15th fight now. He's fighting for the Commonwealth title or whatever it is soon uh, with Gary Cornish. I think the Commonwealth title might be on the line. I might be wrong. Um, but even, you know, looking at it from that perspective... Yeah. You can see it's a limited field. Yeah, you? it shows how limited it is that uh, in his eighth fight he's going to be fighting for that. That would, that would really... That would be bad. Like If you were an excellent boxer with an awful field around you just worldwide if that was the case that would be a real frustration wouldn't it for fans for yourself I know, for you hold that world title for fucking years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally no one turns up that would uh, that would be a bit of a bummer wouldn't it yeah so uh, i say well he didn't he's fighting um, it's on a Dennis Hobson card they've spoken about taking him out to America potentially in the future um, you know, purely for exposure, and it is such a limited field over here, and there's not a massive amount of attention given to it. So, there's more over in America, is there? There's more, yeah. It's, it's not huge. I mean, yeah, the lighter weights just don't get that much attention, do they, really? Yeah, but yeah, uh, true enough. he's also called out Kevin Satchel, who's the British title holder at present. Uh, it's a fight that he wants, you know, even with only eight fights under his belt, it's, uh, it's one that he'd certainly fancy. So, uh, yeah, again, it's um, October 17th, he'll be fighting for the Commonwealth title. Okay, so on that then, when we just uh, in this country, we're very much focused on heavier weights, not necessarily heavyweights, but when you think about um, like the most successful boxers in Britain, it's it's always been sort of like Carfoch is probably like that sort of weight class, it's sort of the lightest that I can think of necessarily. It stands out in my mind. Yeah, I mean nowadays the welterweight division gets a fair bit of attention as well because of Khan and Brooke yeah. and such like, but. Yeah, I mean aside from that super bantamweight, you get the odd one like Quig Frampton, but that's only because there's two domestic but yeah super middle so up. around the world is it is it different do they have do they have different opinions on uh what they prefer to see in terms of weight class like yeah um you know for instance mexico uh and out in the the far east so thailand uh china japan where they're naturally kind of smaller people don't get me wrong they're exceptions so in mexico for instance you have julio cesar chavez and chavez jr that are heavier but they have naturally their build is a lot smaller than in Western countries. Right. So you yeah. have the Thai fighters that are, you know, 115 pounds, 120 pounds. That that is essentially their their um, genetic makeup fitting that. So they don't get many heavyweights. They don't get many super middleweights. And so their attention is more on the lower um, lower ends of the weight scales. Oh, that kind of makes sense. That's interesting. Okay, so right, I'm good. I guess we're moving on to what's coming up this weekend. Um, right, so you got, is this a Sky card, is it? Sky card is uh, in Leeds on Saturday. Okay, and uh, this is Tony Bellew. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a, an interesting YouTube video doing the rounds at the moment of Eddie Hearn, one of his IFL TV uh, interviews that he did with uh, Coogan Cassius. It was only the beginning of August, about the 6th, 7th, uh, where he's talking about getting Tony Bellew out to... Um, over in America with Jamie McDonald to uh, fight on his undercard. And his words were, the reason that he said it was, um, this isn't quite verbatim, but you can quote me on it, was, look, nobody wants to see Tony Bellew on a Leeds undercard. <laughs> anyway, someone's dropped out, so Tony Bellew is now on the Leeds <laughs> undercard. <laughs> and he's right, no one wants to see it. He wasn't lying. <laughs> Right, so who, who's headlining then? Uh, headlined by Josh Warrington versus Joel Brunker. Um, Joel Brunker is someone that uh, you can read about on the website. We did an interview with him a while back. Um, 
yeah, it's Josh Warrington, Joel Bunker, uh, Brunker. Sorry, Josh Warrington goes into the fight with a twenty-one and O and O record, and Joel Brunker goes in at twenty-eight wins, one loss, uh, no draws. So Joel Brunker was the guy that Lee Selby fought before he fought for a world title, um, and at that point he was undefeated. Lee Selby has come out and said that he thinks Brunker wins this one. He thinks that, I mean, he essentially says he thinks that Warrington's a bit of a hype job and he thinks that Joel Brunker will finish him on uh, Saturday night. It'll be an interesting one, as always, with Leeds. It'll be uh, a bit riotous within the crowd, I'm sure. Chaotic, horrible. <clears throat> Chaotic, horrible, <laughs> yeah. Uh, whether Vinnie Jones is going to do a ring walk, I don't know, but um, cringeworthy enough yeah. as it is. So, yeah, you've got Josh Warrington who. I mean, Mitchell Smith was speaking about him when we spoke with Mitchell Smith the other week, saying that, you know, Warrington's just a hype job. He's got a good engine on him, but he can't punch. He's not skilled. He doesn't do anything particularly well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit harsh, maybe, Pretty but harsh. Uh, quite God. scathing. He can run around the ring for hours, but you ask him to punch <laughs> marshmallow ants, man. <laughs> That's terrible. Break an egg. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting one, I think. Personally, I'm going with Bronco. I'm sticking my neck out there. I think Brunk will do. You think Warrington's a hype job as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, Sky are clearly trying to build towards Josh Warrington, Lee Selby in the future. Um, that have some money in it. They could do it, Ellen Road. They could sell twenty five thousand tickets for it, make it a big event. Um, so Josh Warrington comes from Leeds, is he? He comes from Leeds. Yeah, Joel Brunker, Australia. All oh, right, okay. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I, I say, I, I personally think. I mean. Um, Brunker was saying to us when we interviewed him that it wasn't the best of himself to come over and fight Lee Selby. He didn't um, feel like he kind of showed up properly. He said taking nothing away from Selby, he said he's a fantastic fighter, but he didn't show up properly that night. And he said that he will be showing up properly on Saturday night in Leeds. So yeah, I said, if I'm going for, I'm going for a Brunker. I don't think you'd get a points decision. I'm gonna go for a stoppage. Mm, interesting. You're really putting your neck out there, aren't you? I am. So you heard it here first, folks. Joel Bronco is going to power slam Josh Warrington <laughs> to win the fight, and Martin called it. So yeah, in Leeds, not ruled out. Um, what round? I don't know. Uh, he's got a good engine, Warrington. <laughs> <laughs> so we first. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, nine. There you go. Nine. You've heard it. He's heard it there. Right, okay, let's move on then. Um, right, let's speak. You've got Steve Goodwin written down here. What's that about? Steve Goodwin, he's got a show on uh, Saturday night, um, and we're going to be down there covering it live, which will be great. Um, it's down at York Hall. It's his season opener. Um, it's headlined by Richard Towers in heavyweight action against Kamil Sokolowski of Poland. Um the most Polish name in the history yeah, of Yeah, so I've probably pronounced that wrong, but I don't care. Nah, really. probably not. <laughs> um, Towers has got a record 15 wins, one loss, no draws. His one loss came to Lucas Brown a couple of years back over on uh, these shores. It's it's a season opener, really, for Goodwin Promotions there. They've got three shows lined up that are announced at the moment. They've got one a fortnight after this, then one October 17th. Uh, this is their new era show, so they've got quite a lot of their young fighters um, out on the card. So, yeah, it'll be. Uh, they've got Jose Lopez, who I'm quite excited about. He's fighting, he's the main uh, support for it. 
He's three wins, no losses, no draws. The one who's described as the new David Hay. Um, uh, trained by Don what, Charles. What, what way is he? He's cruiserweight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, trained by Don Charles, who's Derek Chisora's old trainer. He's fighting Rhinus Porovs, I think. So, <laughs> excellent pronunciation. Yeah. So it's only his um, his fourth fight, Lopez. So he's still in the learning process. He um, he was going back and forth on Twitter this week with Isaac Chamberlain, who uh, he's another cruiserweight that's kind of up and coming and having a bit of uh, disagreement over what happened when they were meant to fight as amateurs and why it never happened. So that's one that hopefully down the line could happen. Uh, it's probably inevitable that it will happen. They're both up and coming in that weight division. Uh, but yeah, no, it'll be uh, it's a stacked card. There's 20 fights for it. So I say we'll be down there Saturday night covering it and uh, we'll have full write-ups on the website. Gleaming. So in a bit of an odd one, on Sunday we have Jamie McDonnell versus Tomoki Kameda. Yeah, so this is a rematch of a fight that happened earlier this year when Jamie McDonald went out to America as the underdog and beat Tomoki Kameda. Um, you've got to feel sorry for Jamie McDonald, really. He doesn't get the promotion that he probably deserves. He's a WBA bantamweight title holder. He went out there and has a great win for a Brit overseas. Not that, I mean, it was taken, it happened in America. So clearly, Tomoki Kameda isn't the most American sounding name. He's from the East, but. He was the home fighter, essentially. McDonald was brought over to fight him, and he picked up the win on points, um, despite being dropped himself early on in the fight. And so, yeah, it's a rematch of that fight, and McDonald is, you know, he's confident that he can uh, he can stop him this time, which, you know, he may well have to do, because to get two points wins out there as your way fighter will be a bit of a struggle. But this is another PBC Al Heyman card, and it's happening Sunday, so... You won't see a lot about it on Sky, and I say it's it's a tragedy, really, because he's done brilliantly, Jamie McDonnell, and he's so under-promoted by Sky. Like, the moment Lee Selby goes out and fights in America, they will promote the hell out of it. Um, but Jamie McDonnell goes out there, and people probably aren't even that aware that it's happening. Hmm. Um, so that's a bit of a shame. But yeah, Sunday on Sky, Jamie McDonnell uh, for the w- WBA bantamweight title. And McDonald's spoken about um, if he wins this one, he wants to move up potentially to super bantamweight and start taking on the likes of Frampton Quigg. Uh, he's even spoken about taking on Rigondeaux. Um So, yeah, there could be some decent domestic matchups there for him as well. It'd be a good one. Okay, so you mentioned uh, Tomoki Kameda there as the home fighter. Now, my question would be, generally... What I understand to be is when you go and fight in another person in another boxer's country, you're kind of essentially fighting against the judges as well, if that's a yeah. fair point. So if he is in a different country, who who selects the judges? What nationality are the judges in comparison to, to what's Tomoki Kameda? What nationality is he? Uh, he's Japanese, I believe. So do then does then he get to choose what judges there are? No, right? no, they're picked by the uh it'll be a a mixture of the promoters and the board essentially in america as you would expect they don't have an american boxing board because it's fucking huge right so they break it up by states so i think this is in texas if my memory is correct so it'll be the texan boxing board or whatever the the local commission is for that will appoint referees will appoint judges um i'm sure the reason i say the promoter may have a uh, some input to it is because I'm sure Al Heyman will 
have some kind of influence. It's America, and if you've got enough money, do yeah, exactly yeah absolutely. You <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in essence, it's meant to be selected by the board. Will select, uh, you know. Uh, when you see it over here, I don't know how it works, particularly over in America. I don't know what the, the rulings are. But if you had it over here and you had Jamie McDonald versus Tomoki Kamei, you would likely get a British, a Japanese, and a neutral judge um, in some way so that it would even it out. But uh, whether that happens over in America, I don't know if that will be the case. Okay. Well, that answers it as best as we're going to get. Um, okay, so have you got anything else to go with? That's it for this weekend's action. But I'll say as a reminder, we'll uh, we'll be reporting live and uh, hopefully tweeting if my phone battery lasts the evening <laughs> <laughs> I'm from York Hall on Saturday night, which means I will miss the Sky card. So uh, I'll be trying to keep up to date with that as well. Mega. Okay. Um, just before we go on to the fact, I wanted to uh, speak about this video that I showed you a little yes, while ago. Yes. Yes. Thank you for showing me. It's <laughs> textbook boxing. Yeah. Like, so yesterday I was going through Twitter and I picked up the, this video. And what are you that, fucking searching for you. Why did I just going through it? Was on Sky. It was on Sky News. Uh, it was Sky News tweet, and it said, "Well, the thing that sort of like jumped out on me was um, Irish professional boxer Carl Frampton." <laughs> yeah. isn't. If he's Carl Frampton, he's let himself go big time. <laughs> Between fights, he's hatton. Irish professional boxer um, cited as hero after Istanbul fight, right? Okay, so I couldn't find that story. And just to again. clarify again, I did query this earlier, but this is not a Liverpool fan still out there living the dream, <laughs> living the Istanbul comeback. Janad, <laughs> um, as he swings another punch. Um, right, so. It writes up like this. A video purporting to show an Irish tourist in a mass brawl with shopkeepers in Istanbul is taking Turkish social media by storm. In the footage, a man described by Turkish media as an Irish boxer slash tourist. I like the fact that he's purely (laughs) described as that because in this he holds his hands up to his cheeks. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason. Okay, so my question is, first of all, like Turkish media have described him as Irish boxer slash tourist, right? Even though, even though there's... Just judging by the video, there's absolutely no evidence to support that whatsoever. It looks like, at best, he's taken his fighting skill from a 1920s beat-em-up movie. I mean, if I was going to take a punt, he looks like a traveller, right? <laughs> now, that's no disrespect to any travellers. It's just he has the fighting style of somebody that's probably had a fair few bare-knuckle fights back home. And and bevies over the years. <laughs> In it, because, but this is the, the professional tag is what's sort of throwing me. Yeah, because I ain't clearly convinced not by that. professional boxer. I ain't convinced by Unless, that. obviously, he's from the Butterbean camp. Um, but, you yeah. know, it's worth looking at. He's not cut weight for this fight, has he? <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, what happens is this guy opens a fridge and all the... <laughs> In this shop, he's looking for fat, and the, the bottles of water, whatever, fall out of the fridge. Not water. There's the, was not bottles of beer, the bottles of beer and milkshake, beer milkshake, um, fall out over the floor. The shopkeepers get into a fight with him. Now it doesn't show you all this. All it shows is the hyper escalated situation where these Turkish shopkeepers fight, 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 fight. smashing the hell out of this bloke with. Sticks. Well, it. What does it? What does chairs, it, it says? Sticks, chairs, chairs, and other blunt items. Presumably. Blunt. I love the fact <laughs> better like go and blunt that off, mate. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. You're not in anything. Is that a knife? No. Go get a spoon. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's quite. Um. Go and find it because it is worth watching. It would. It would be insanity. quite. It would be almost a bit like shocking if all the time in the back of your mind you're not thinking this bloke isn't fucking a professional boxer. <laughs> 
no chance. What, what perturbed me about it is that there's loads of them and one of him, and yet he <laughs> seems to go back for more. Like, <laughs> well, actually, as well, it also confirms that when you see in, in movies where one bloke comes at you at a time, that actually does happen in the <laughs> Because that's what they do. Just rush the guy. No, walk yeah. up one at a time. He decks one bloke who goes down like a sack of spuds. And then they just all... And then at one point they run away and he chases after them. And then yeah, all... this is my point. Like, there's loads of them and one of him. And... He's happy. Happy to take it. Anyway, bringing you news and boxing. It's uh... Yeah, up to date. Up to date information on all kinds of uh, fat guys Irish, in Istanbul fighting. Irish travellers slash professional boxers. Right, so on. Where were we? <laughs> Onwards and upwards. It's worth looking at anyway. Just type in Irish boxer. Yeah. Irish boxer Istanbul is what I put into Twitter. And it came up with a load of them, but it was it's a bizarre video. Yeah. Um Gerard. <laughs> that's not Gerard though, is it? I mean, maybe he's out there. Yeah. His American career's gone downhill. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to the fact. Oh, shit. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth! the truth okay so the fact this week is is actually a bit short and i'm not talking about midget boxing oh shame because uh, maybe i can find something out about midget boxing <laughs> there'll be loads of it just, will be. of course there will actually i saw something the other day on um on it was on facebook was it midgets fighting on it uh, was jerry springer, springer. <laughs> did you see it? like i the thing is my heart I went out to that it all the way he was so the poor guy was so disabled, like he was crawling around like an insect on the floor, and then he, and then he would climb up the stage, and then the other guy would just come over and lamp him and fall on the floor again. I felt really sorry for him. <laughs> it's probably stage, mate. Don't worry about it. And then the American, then the American crowd, were like, man, Jed fight, man, Jed fight. <laughs> sort Jerry Springer. Right, that's yeah. next week. Sort in the bag. <laughs> Let's have a look at. I'll try and find some sort of midget boxing, I guess. Um, Great. <laughs> So this week's is worse than midget boxing. Uh, We're building up to that. Well, okay. So this week we have the fact on <coughs> the world's the world record for the shortest match in history. Right. Okay. So it takes place in by shortest again. We're talking time, not height. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. That's a good point. Okay. So we look at yeah time. Time-wise, September twenty-fourth, nineteen forty-six. Hitler wasn't dead, and it was Churchill versus Hitler. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. No, it's not well known, and. The, is this like Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't know what I'm on about. Just like the shittest sounding film. I've never seen it. But... It's a film and it's terrible. No, it's nothing right. to do with actually Hitler or Churchill. Or vampires. <laughs> the fight happened between Al Couture. That's a made up name, sure. And it sounds like a poor man's Al Capone. Yeah, it? it does. Like a porno version of <laughs> Al Couture. <laughs> um, and Ralph Walton, um, again, he sounds like the soft one, uh, which which actually leading on to you'll uh, you'll understand. It, right. it was pretty soft. So it's Al Capone <laughs> versus Ralph from the Simpsons. Al Capone versus Ralph from the Simpsons. Right. Okay. And, uh, right. So, ding ding, the bell goes. Yep. Right. Right. Am I reffing this? I'll ref this. Okay. This is okay. What? Right. Come when together, I put, touch gloves, defend yourselves at all times. When I put my hand up, I need you to start counting to ten, because this that's the point the bloke's right. gone down. Okay, okay so, right. come together, touch gloves, ding, defend ding. yourselves at all times. <laughs> right, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> One, two. Within half a second, Al Couture swings a punch, which knocks Ralph Walton out. The total time for the fight was ten and a half seconds. Half a second throw the punch, and ten counting Fuck seconds. Out... <laughs> 
I love that. He's I come just, out of blocks strong there. See what he? I <laughs> can you imagine that? Like stand in his corner, like your same bolt. You better go back to <laughs> go back to your corners, then come together. Like, don't just stand there and go right, bang, what I've done. <laughs> winding it up the biggest haymaker you've ever seen is he down in pure Usain Bolt sprint position <laughs> ah bang down there so ten and a half seconds ten and a half seconds including the count now that's shocking <laughs> that is shocking it's funny though <laughs> Al Couture the greatest puncher in the world although I'm not entirely sure what Al Couture's boxing yeah what's his record outside record of that outside of that <laughs> that's it I'm done mate yeah half, retire, a, right? half a second fight 100% record. You could um, go around pubs just telling that story yeah. and three beers all night long. If um, anyone disagreed, maybe he's out in Turkey now. On a serious note as well, though, Ralph Walton, I think that makes definitely him, he's worse than Robin Deakin. <laughs> 100% loss record within half a second. He might have won every fight up to that. He might have been undefeated <laughs> well, before that. Yeah, it's possible, I suppose. Yeah, I reckon Al Couture moved out to Turkey. Um, started actually, fighting yeah, local. This story. No, that's just true. Actually, yeah, he did say. It. Actually, yeah. he just mentioned his name. Although it's nineteen forty-six, so maybe uh... he's a bit. Well, he does look older. Maybe perhaps, perhaps not in his eighties or anything. <laughs> no, but... all right, that's an impressive eight-year-old. Okay, so that's the fact for this. We've week. gone off piece, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> we really have. <laughs> okay, well, I guess that's it. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Um, Thank you, everyone. Like we said, Martin will be. Uh, covering as much as he can this week with the uh, with the myriad of things that's going on this weekend and we will be back next Sunday cheers